They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities, and though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week it's the battle of the century as Superboy and Sunboy go head to head, fist to fist, Heat vision to nuclear energy. Who will come out on top? You're going to have to tune in and find out. Superboy number 214. No price too high. Published January 1976. Written by Jim Shooter with art by Mike Grell. Synopsis. Will a spoiled brat spell doom for the Legion? Oh, Matthew. Spoiled rich kids. Spoiled, what is it with spoiled rich kids? You know, uh, the, the the history of spoiled rich kids in comics goes back further than Richie Rich. Although, I don't know if Richie Rich is spoiled as much as he is just, uh, he doesn't understand his rich white boy privilege. Um, Richie Rich is actually intentionally uh, kind and giving. I mean, he, yeah. he tries to share his wealth with his friends. He doesn't ever actually give them a lot of money, but he tries to let them enjoy it. <laughs> let's, you know? let's them be hangers on. Um, right. You know, we have seen in the Legion of Superheroes, rich kids uh, try to get in just by the fact that they're rich. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm the richest guy in the galaxy. You should let me in. Or, uh, hey, I'm the rich kid and I bought this cool gizmo that lets me do this. And each time the Legion are like, hey, you know, you need to, you know, step off there, uh, richy, rich person. And <laughs> then we get to what happens when the annoying rich person is someone you kind of have to save. And that's what right. happens well, in No Price, Too High. Or maybe no it price. is No Price, Too comma. High? I think it's No Price, comma, Too High. No Price, Too High. <laughs> no Price, Too High. And that could be a two, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. And the spoiled brat is an ancient, ancient trope. I mean, if you're even just looking in comics, it goes back to the the very dawn of comics. I can say two words to you right now. Veronica Lodge. Well, you can also say, I mean, it has to be your definition of what is what is a spoiled rich person, right? Because, right. you know, Batman is a spoiled rich kid. Um, uh, yeah, Iron Man is a spoiled rich kid. Um, mm -hmm. One could even argue that perhaps um, uh, Lex Luthor is a spoiled rich kid. <laughs> it depends on the take. I mean, original old school Golden Age Luthor was actually a, a penniless uh drifter schmuck so but yeah it's definitely in there and i feel like the the main thing about this story that you need to know is that the kid talks like this not to no, me no. my he, daddy is leland mccauley he owns this whole planet daddy my daddy is dealership you my guys. daddy is leland mccullough the fifth the third you may have seen him before in uh, action comics uh, 374 Actually, it's not an Action Comics. It's Adventure 374. Adventure Comics. Yeah, his last appearance was 377. First appearance was 374. Remember, Leland III is the second richest man in the galaxy oh, after he hates that. Grant. He oh, hates he that. Hates him. Oh, he hates it when you bring it up oh. that he's the second richest. How dare oh. you? Well, oh, so he's terrible. Apparently, Leland III owns a robot planet? A robot factory planet? Yes. 
The only way that I can guess kind of explain this is it's on a whole planet that is essentially mm-hmm. a robot factory. Uh, Coruscant from Star Wars comes to mind, even though that's more of a capitalistic economy-driven planet. This is one that only its only option or its only function is to build robots. And here's the here's the catch. There's no people on this planet. The the planet is patrolled by robots. Little robot children play in the robot parks. Uh, there is robot <laughs> romance comics on every robot newsstand. It's robots as far as the eye can see. And so I guess robots the question that I down. have on this is if you are uh, Leland McCauley III, mm. what's he making all these robots for? Are th- do these go into the workforce? Is this where we get the Rosie the Robots? Is this is where people get their little uh, cleaning robots? Is this where they get their butler robots? Is this where they get their taxi driver robots? Probably. I mean, we've seen a lot of, you know, robot characters popping up here and there. The presumption here seems to be that this is the sense, this is like Amazon for robots and Macaulay is your Jeff Bezos. Mm, Okay. And, you know, it's not the only place one can get a robot, but it's a good place and probably the the place where you can get a robot delivered overnight for only 250,000 space bucks. So apparently something's gone wrong with the robot planet's security system. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the name of this planet? This is uh Gyric. Gyric. Gyrich. Or Gyrich. Which is, which or is, is it... fascinating because it's owned by a rich guy. But yeah. Gyrich or Gyric, the way I pronounce it, is actually Maybe a it's... name that Jim Shooter has used Gyrich. over and over. Because he names this planet Gyric in 1975. In 1977, when he's writing Avengers, uh, mm. spoilers, Shooter's about to leave the book. Again? Uh, in 1977, when he's writing Avengers, he creates Henry Peter Gyric, who is the sort of kind of corrupt NSA liaison to the Avengers. Mm. So it's interesting to see that name popping up before it pops up in its more famous capacity. Yeah, so anyway, planet Gyric... Uh, the uh, security system has gone haywire and nobody is allowed to approach the planet without getting shot out of the sky, which is really hard if your whole economy is built on delivering robots to, you know, waiting, waiting Jetsons families around the uh, cosmos. Right. So uh, the Legion is sit in to, to kind of sneak in mm-hmm. and and, uh, you know, reboot the system. But before they can... Yeah, this this is a perfect time for the espionage squad. So who do we get? Brainiac, Wildfire, Superboy, and two people who might be sneaky if they're careful enough. Yeah. Um, what do we have? Shadow Lass is part of this? Mm-hmm. Karate Kid. And Karate Kid. Yep. So and, a and walking, super-powered nuclear dynamo, a human brain, and Superboy. Well, you kind of need Brainiac, right? Isn't he part of the espionage squad anyway? Uh, it depends on who's talking. I mean, most of the espionage squad is dead at this point, you'll recall. What? Their leader died, like, several issues ago. Oh, man. NRG1. Yeah. Uh, it's anyway. not NRG1. <laughs> I hate you. Pharaoh lad. Oh, we hardly knew ye. Uh, but anyway... Have, the, have you been listening to this show? I mean, we're like 50 episodes <laughs> in at this point. 50? Man, this is episode 74. Hello, all you dear listeners out there. Anyway, Hello, there is a sushi. ship approaching, and Superboy decides that it's the right thing to save the the uh, pilot of this ship. Fortunately, there's only one person on board. By wrapping him in his super cape and then taking him down to the planet uh, to be safe, only to discover that it is Leland McCulley IV, spoiled rich kid, <laughs> who just takes the high spoiled brat route and there's a, 
a little conflict that develops between the Legion members on what to do with this kid. It's interesting because this is a moment where I, we are seeing the, to my knowledge, first appearance of something that's going to recur for the next 15 or 20 years. Superboy and Wildfire getting mad and smacking each other around. Well, Superboy thinks that um, they should do everything that they can to protect this kid, even when they do get captured. Right. That they need to do everything they can to protect this kid, because it turns out there is still one human on the planet who is uh, who used to be the robot overlord of the planet. And then uh, his then the father fired him. And now he's snuck back on. and He's taking control of the whole planet and holding it hostage until he gets, gets that uh, that filthy, filthy Jeff Bezos money. Right. He all he wants is a decent severance package. Yeah, basically. And and an apology and a gold watch made of robots. Uh, but so Superboy is like, no, we got to protect this kid. We've got to save this kid. We are the Legion. And Sunboy is like, screw this kid. Let's eat the rich and just let this kid get his own <laughs> comeuppance. Right. Because uh, I came from a poor family and I see how the rich treat the poor. And so let this kid die. And they get into some fisticuffs. They do. Well, less fisticuffs and more nuclear uh, face Some nuclear exchange. Cups. It's interesting uh, because Wildfire literally turns to Superboy and just opens up with a full blast of anti-energy. And Superboy is like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those moments where you're just like, this is entirely here to give us that sweet, sweet conflict and show off just how tough Superboy is. And that's fine. I mean, it's not like Superboy needs another place to be awesome. But, you know, I think what it really shows me is that their conflict lasts for about a page and a half. Mm -hmm. And then they shake hands and go, hey, it's cool. You cool? We yeah, cool? It's we no cool. big we deal cool. until it's all cool. the spoiled brat goes right to the uh, to the main guy and says, I am, you know, the person you hate son. And the guy's like, I will shoot you. And then he feigns, uh, you know, illness or something. And then the gun comes loose and Karate Kid totally breaks the dude's neck. He, well... Look at how yeah, he's... That, I mean, Karate Kid does a flip up in the air and just clop him right full, in the face. And you can see as the way he's bent back in that page, you know the only thing that's missing in that page is snap. That's the only thing missing in that page. Because you know that, defense, that, that that kick killed that dude. In his defense, it, it's, it's Mike Grell Anatomy, so... It might just be exaggeration because look at look at the bend in Karate Kid's foot. But yeah, uh, if he didn't kill him with the snap neck, he killed him by driving the cartilage of his face right back <laughs> into his brain. Or or he drew or he slammed his uh, the back of the dude's head in in through and through that wall over there. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's ugly. Yeah. Karate Kid just kicked an old man square. In the face. <laughs> well, to be honest, the old man deserved it. Also, the kid oh, deserved sure. it, too. But Brainiac's able to go in and restore peace to the robot planet. Hooray, capitalism. And then the spoiled rich kid is like, well, I guess I learned my lesson. I guess I'll go buy a whole bunch of stuff now. Well, he's like, I, I was very bad. You were trying to help me. Thank you. And he leaves and. You know, first first and foremost, I think it's very important in this story that we never actually learn the kid's name. He's actually dubbed Leland the Fourth later on down the line. Oh yeah, I forgot. I I know he keeps saying that his father is is Leland the Third. Yeah. So I guess My you're just assuming that he's the fourth. Yeah. Oh right, man, those kind of kids. He is Leland the Fourth, or he has been, you know, declared Leland the Fourth. But he does walk away thinking, "Hey, 
maybe I should be less selfish. But the next time we see him or his family, they're back to their old uh, terrible, terrible way. So is, it that, is that in this run of the Legion, or is this something that happens like five years later Leland, Legion, or is this uh, Archie Legion, or when is this that we see them Leland the Fourth, uh, I think, re- reoccurs here and there, but Leland the Third pops up again in the Volume 4 Legion. Uh, okay. Wait, no, maybe Leland the Fourth is. One of them shows up in the Volume 4 Legion and is... Um, Which one is that one? For those I of think that's people Leland the Fourth. But he's actually, he, he creates the Macaulay Com. Oh, and right. He's, uh, the huge community. And his cousin, Celeste, ends up joining the Legion with Green Lantern powers and being Pulse for a while. Oh, okay. And then they revamped him, and Leland the Fourth appears in the rebooted Legion as the mean old man who founds the Workforce. You remember uh, the Workforce? Yeah, yeah, I remember the Workforce, yeah. Yeah, he's behind the Workforce. Yeah, so this is my Legion. This is where he, they, yeah, they really pick up. That's that's uh, the the Moy days. That's the yeah. point where you're like, hey, look, and Ultra Boy's and all on the guys. other team. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I uh, didn't care for this story. Uh, anytime you got a spoiled rich kid, I'm kind of like, yeah, throw him to the wolves. I, I'm really on Sunboy's side in this. I didn't like this story either. I felt like Grell had a lot of fun with it, and I feel like the robot designs were kind of neat. Yeah, in that they all looked like vacuum cleaners. But yeah, yeah it's a just... little bit. I was trying to look and see where the robot inspiration had come from, but you know, we we haven't hit any of the major robot movies yet, or the big events that are going on in the world. We haven't hit Star Wars yet. We haven't hit mm-hmm. Black Hole yet. So some of right. these robot designs are, you know, maybe Jetson esque inspired. I don't even know when Kirby showed up in Fantastic Four. Well, I think that the ship that Leland is flying is very uh, Space 1999 kind of looking, but I never watched Space 1999 well enough to know if, first of all, they had robots, and second of all, whether those robots looked like, you know, these robots. Yeah. Yeah, I was was thinking, you know, most robots that we know today, or the designs that we know today, a lot of it happened after Star Wars and all the Star Wars spinoffs. I mean, you had uh, Robbie the Robot. Uh, you had well, Robbie dates back to the fifties. Yeah, he was that's what I'm saying. You basically, you basically had that, and then you had a B nine, and then you had an occasional robot pop up here and there. But robot design, I mean, the Jetsons, you had Rosie the robot, um, but none of those kind of look like what Grell is doing here. So I really kind of liked his his robots. And the first thing I thought when I saw this is, oh, this is kind of some Star Wars inspiration or Battlestar Galactic ins- inspiration. I'm like, no, this is like two years before that would have even been a thing. Yep. But yeah, story yeah. sucked. Maybe Logan's run in 76. Yeah, but this is, so this issue came out in January of 76. I even went to look at Logan's run. Logan's run doesn't come out until later in the year. Oh, well, so then this I is, don't know. Yeah. So it's really, it's really kind of in- interesting where the, um, the robot designs come from. France. They come from France. Yep. Stay Small or Die. Published January 1976. Written by Carrie Bates with art by Mike Grell. Synopsis. Shrinking Violet's worst nightmare is her own powers. So, do you remember in 1977, there was a great album from Steve Martin, probably one of, you know, it's probably the one that you and I learned who Steve Martin was, was his Let's Get Small album. Let's Get Small. I don't know, you know, this this obsession with getting small in, in the 70s. 
I don't know if that's like getting into your inner self or what, but uh, Steve Martin's Let's Get Small album doesn't come out till 77. As I just mentioned, this is 1976. So stay small or die. Die. Is a shrinking violet brainiac uh, Saturn girl story. And it's, on, it's... on routine inspection, <laughs> they've found out that shrinking violet has been having some horrible nightmares about being small and getting stuck in her small size and then crushed by a giant foot. And Saturn Girl is like, oh, this girl needs needs special therapy. And Brainiac's like, nah, I just need to hypnotize her and, and freak her out. Okay. First thing we have to talk about. Brainiac 5, the Legion deputy leader, walks into I mean, was... a female colleague's bedroom where she is sleeping, clearly unclad, hypnotizes her, drags her into space to endanger her life. I mean, he does let her get dressed first. Uh, or he dresses her, which <laughs> know, right? is even creepier. It's, it's really, it's really weird. I mean, it is unclear if she is if she is naked under her under her bedclothes uh, or under it, her it bedding. Like she it is. But it does she look. Is. I mean, it's supposed to be sexy times. Remember, it's the 1970s sexy times. Yeah. Uh, but Remember, yeah, just this idea. The, the psychologist in this story, Saturn Girl, is wearing a pink pleather bikini. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. No, I mean, it, it's it's somewhat disturbing that, yes, he does kidnap her naked, mm-hmm. hypnotizes her and takes her to a giant planet, but not the giant mm-hmm. planet that has the puppets, but to a giant right. planet uh, that has been wiped out by a plague. Hey, good, good timing on this one, everybody. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not speaking to you. He is a 12th level intellect. So maybe sex isn't a thing for him. Maybe he doesn't. He maybe he views playing. this as a, you know, as a very non-emotional let's just do this to prove i'm right once again that's a possibility but that also raises a a big problem where is he so intellectualized that he doesn't realize that other legionnaires might be bothered to wake up finding that someone dressed them and threw them to the wolves on planet giant pants Oh, oh no no uh the other members of the legion don't care because as brainiac is leaving uh, who is it? Is it uh, not Cosmic Boy? Is it Karate Kid? Colossal Boy. Well, no, Colossal Boy is sitting there, but someone else is saying, Ultra Boy. Ultra Boy is like, hey, um, somebody's taken off in one of our ships. And Colossal Boy, who's eating a Hostess cream pie, I might mention, <laughs> might add, is saying, oh, no, the order just came in. He's uh, going off and, and doing something. So it's all OK. It's it's actually a pear, but OK. Uh, it looks yeah. like a cream pie to me. Well, it's still a pear. Uh, but yeah, the Dude, thing gross. that is. Why would anyone eat a pear flavored cream pie? I don't know why anyone would eat a pear. Whatever you do, don't eat pears. Pear-flavored pear Hostess cream pies. No wonder that company went out of business. Have you been drinking again? <laughs> no. Okay. But yes, uh, Ultra Boy is like, oh, what's going on? Did someone just steal one of our naked colleagues? And Colossal Boy is like, nah, Brainiac gave me some fruit, so everything's fine. Yeah, and they're headed off to the planet Chlora. Chlora. Which I'm sure we've it's run never... By Phil. Which I'm sure we've never, is never seen again. Oh no, Chlora never, ever, ever, never, but, ever. But again, shows get this: again. it is a planet that was wiped out by a plague, mm-hmm. and so Brainiac's idea is, oh, I'll take her there and put her in some faux jeopardy to make her think that she is uh, shrunk down to size, so mm-hmm. she can just see how silly her little uh, her little little night terrors are. Turns out right. there's some robot rats running around that are still, you know, giant size. And uh, it captures both Brainiac and uh, Shrinking yeah. Violet. But Shrinking it's... Violet is the smart one in this, not Brainiac 5, who is, again, might I remind you, 12th level intellect. Right. 
she realized that when she was falling off a table because this giant vacuum rat was chasing her, that the mm-hmm. air molecules around her weren't flowing like they would if she was small. So she realized she she was large. So she shrank down to deactivate the giant robot rat so that Brainiac and she could escape. It's kind of smart on her part. And it really showcases uh, something that we don't see about a lot of the Legionnaires is, you know, I call it the specialist rule. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have somebody whose thing is, you know, say speed or shrinking, they should know speed or yeah, shrinking. They should be very familiar with their abilities. Yep. And she knows exactly how it feels. But there are a couple of things that bother me about this. First of all, she gets knocked off a table by the uh, giant. Uh, I think it's a cat because it spits a hairball at her. Um, but she's wearing a flight ring. Mm-hmm. Why not fly? Well, why should and she? Secondly, <laughs> well, this is a good point. I mean, you should she, fly if you Does she fly. have her flight ring on? She says, oh, I'll use my flight ring. And then she gets hit by the hairball. Oh, okay. Well, but she didn't have time Brainiac, to Brainiac. Yeah, Brainiac is trapped in a hairball while wearing his force shield belt and his own flight ring. These people do not take advantage of their gear. You well, have because to they use had the your daily implants. item powers so that Randus can give you the bonus. I mean, you have to... <laughs> never mind. Either way, if you have a flight ring, you should fly, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Fly. Yeah, you should. But, I mean, otherwise, then the molecules flowing around my body wouldn't have allowed me to determine that I wasn't actually small in size, but actually I was large. Brainiac, let's get small. Well, Stephen, if you've confidence in yourself, you're 10 feet tall. Yeah, man, I don't know where they got this uh, this quote from, but man, it really belongs on a one of those inspirational posters <laughs> with, you know, like a giant mountain yeah. in the background and a sunset confidence. that says, no matter how small you are, if you've got confidence in yourself, you're 10 feet tall. 10 feet tall. If that were literally true, that would be the scariest thing ever. Every time you get a little full of yourself... You're 10 feet tall. Say you're driving to work and you're in your Volkswagen. Well, no, I, I think it's, like, meta- I'm a I think really it's good metaphorical. You have confidence. <laughs> it, it's kind of metaphorical, kind of like hang in there, baby. It's just metaphorical. Mm, it does, that, but then they show a cat literally hanging in there. That's not a metaphor. It is. That's a metaphor. Because everyone knows that that cat's not going to hang in there and the dog's going to get a meal. Comic book conventions, Matthew. When was the very first comic book convention? Do you know what year? 72? 64. 1964, New York City Union uh, Meeting Hall held the very first quote-unquote comic book convention uh, where there were 100 different comic book fans hosted on July 27th. Uh, and so that is the that is the very first comic book convention. Um, George R. R. Martin, I believe, was the uh, says that he was the person to buy the first ticket to that event. He was still working on A Song of Ice and Fire. I know, right? Even way back then. But by the 1970s, comic book conventions have exploded. And of course, we have the San Diego Comic-Con being one of the biggest and oldest comic conventions out there. But in the 1976 year, there was actually a little tiny convention that was going on to celebrate Superman's birthday. The Super DC Convention. Super. What, what, Super uh, DC. What would this have been, the 40th birthday of Superman? Uh, 40th birthday would have been 78. 
Yeah, so this was, um, man, why were they, they just are getting together to su- celebrate uh, Superman's birthday two years early? The thirty the 38th birthday. Yeah, I wonder, oh, maybe in, in uh, because he shows up in 1938. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. There was this whole middle segment about, come and attend the Super DC convention where we celebrate Superman's birthday. And I'm like, oh man, how Meet times have changed. How times have changed, because today... It's all about Batman Day and celebrating Batman's anniversary and celebrating this. I mean, no, seriously, if you think about it, in 1970, Superman is their their biggest seller. But today, Superman's birthday, 80th birthday, just kind of came and went and people were just like scrambling to try to do something. But Batman's big anniversaries, it's like, yeah, we're celebrating Batman Day with Batman events, with Bat bat conventions everywhere at your center. I mean, there was a, a, a while ago, many years ago. Uh, where part of this Batman celebration was going to football stadiums around the country and taking as much Batman memorabilia as they could, like getting out all the Batmobiles from all the movies and putting them there as a side attraction for people going into their football games is a big deal. But now, uh, you know, we don't celebrate Superman as much. So it's nice to, to look back in these pages of the Superboy 214 and see that there was indeed a DC convention Honoring Superman's birthday, 38 years old, first appearing in 1938. Would you have gone to that if you were like your age now? Maybe. I mean, it's in Coney Island, so I would have to have access to Brooklyn. Um, But yeah, I think it'd be interesting. And the thing that they're saying, watch a comic be created before your eyes. I mean, we have those now, drawing panels, right? No, they have those now. Like uh, if you go to a convention... They'll get up on stage and like Jim Lee or somebody will draw uh, some panel or a panel from a page or do some art live. Um, so, yeah, I could see that. I, who, who are listed as the uh, the attendees? Do you see that on that list? It does not say uh, the editors, writers and artists who chronicle their adventures. So probably Carrie Bates, uh, <laughs> Murray Boltonoff, um, maybe Shooter. Yeah. Who's uh, who's in charge of the Flash comics? Uh, uh, the editor. At this point, I think it would still be Julie. Julie Schwartz. Yeah, so maybe he shows up. Is Kirby doing anything with DC at this time, or is he still uh, angry at Marvel? It's 76, so Kirby should be at DC on doing things like the Sandman and the Demon, I think. Interesting. In 76. Uh, The Eternals is what he was working on in 76. Yeah, so he Sandman still be at Marvel. had just ended in 76, so okay. he was about to transition back to Marvel from DC. For a few years, right? Mm-hmm. Until he got fed up with what they were doing with Thor Ragnarok, and he was like, you know what, I'm going to go tell my my North mythology story and, and the, the new world and the new gods over there at DC. See you guys. Well, he went to DC in like 71, Mm-hmm. And was there for about five years and then went back to Marvel. And in 79, I think he transitioned over to doing mostly animation because mm. he was working on uh, Thundar the Barbarian. Yeah. He did uh, an adaptation of the Black Hole. He did, I think he did uh, Turbo Teen, some of the design work in there, which is horrifying. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, everybody, 1976, you could have gone to the Super DC convention.
If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Superboy number 215, The Final Eclipse of Sunboy. Published March 1976. Written by Carrie Bates with art by Mike Grell. Synopsis, Sunboy loses control with deadly results. It's the final eclipse of Sunboy. A total turn, eclipse Turn around, of Bright Sun Eyes. Boy. Turn around, Bright Eyes. <laughs> I guess I wasn't paying attention to Phantom Girl's homeworld, that it was literally on top of Earth, but just phased into a different um, frequency or whatever it is that makes Phantom Girl go invisible or intangible. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time that we find that out, or has this always been that way? I, I guess for me, I was always just like, oh, yeah, they're, they've got to be, you know, near each other, but not on top of each other. They have identified Bug Tussle, uh, as I like to call it. Bug Tussle, however one pronounces yeah, B-G-Z-T-L. it. B-G-Z-T-L. I, I would agree with you to the point of bugs, B-G-Z. But, bug there's, no, but there's no other... S or Z sound in the, in the last two letters. So the T-Z-L. closest I can get is Bugstall. Bug Bug tussle. But I believe they have identified previously, up until this point, her department or her department, her home planet as being an alternate dimension Mm. where she would phase in and out of that dimension. Right. But I just guess I didn't realize it was on top of Earth. I can recall the first time that I can find anything saying, yes, Bug Tussle and Earth occupy the same space in separate dimensions. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And also reminded me as I read this, I was like, oh, this is like the counter earth theory. Are you familiar with the counter earth theory? Let's say no so that we can explain it to everyone. I'll be the cabbage head. Okay, cabbage head. Uh, So the the counter earth theory says that there is another identical earth on the other side of the sun in our exact same orbit. And because we are 180 degrees apart from one another, we can never see that other planet because the sun is always obscuring it. I thought mm-hmm. that this was some 1970s conspiracy theory thing. No, this goes back all the way to uh, 5th century BC. And Phi- oh, wow. uh, Philolos is, I believe, the guy's name. Philolos. Uh, Philolos. Uh, however you want to say it. Came up with this idea and it just was like bandied about for several centuries until it started to become a big deal in uh, the 19, I want to say in the 19, early 1900s, people started talking about this again. And maybe this is where uh, other aliens are coming from, is from this other Earth. That other Earth must be, uh, must be, you know, much more advanced than ours. And mm-hmm. you can find it, uh, let's see, 1952 to 1963, there was a, a science fiction comic strip called The Two Earths which was about that. And it started in 1952. Uh, then in 1969, you had the far side of the sun journey to the far side of the sun. I don't remember if you remember that movie. It sounds familiar. Yeah. And then there's been all sorts of other things. Now this has obviously been debunked. Um, you know, there are a number of reasons why we can prove that there is not another planet earth because it would alter the orbit of Venus too much. Uh, we would actually be able to see gravitational wobbles in the sun and other celestial bodies. Uh, also, we have sent satellites far enough out and that are at different angles to the Earth and the sun to where we would be able to see another body on that other side. Mm-hmm. 
if that other Earth actually wanted us to see them. <clears throat> but I just, that's the thing that triggered for me was this idea of the counter-Earth theory. And I really mm. thought that this was some crazy thing that popped up in the 70s, but it's been around for a long, 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 long time. But yeah, it was, it it was finally from... de- it was finally debunked in 2006 when the uh, NASA stereo uh, uh, chronograph probes were, were up and said, look, we can see the other side of our orbit and there's nothing there. Yeah, that's not real. Um, <laughs> I know it best from uh, the Adam Warlock story. Adam Warlock uh, went to counter Earth in like 72. Yeah. And basically did a whole very obvious uh, New Testament Messiah riff. Interesting. Where he died for the sins of another planet. Um, hmm. But yeah, the Counter-Earth in the Marvel Universe is actually really, really complicated because Counter-Earth is also where Franklin Richards sent all of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four during the Heroes Reborn debacle. Interesting. So yeah, yeah this is this has been a thing that's been, been around for a long time. Like I said, finally debunked in 2006. Uh, okay. But uh, uh, Tinya is there. Tinya. And, what'd you say? Tinya Wazo. Yeah, Tinya. Uh, she is there and she was on vacation, but she intercepted a intergalactic assassin who was killing one of the, the bug tussle citizens. Mm-hmm. And now bug this guy, zillions, if you will, bug zillions. And he is just like, don't you know who I am? Ah, how dare you? I am Ron Vizzle. I am the bad man with very bad <laughs> friends who are going to get you. And so her brother, uh, Gaima or Jimma. Or Jimia, maybe how it's, it's pronounced. Maybe it's, uh, it's Jiffia. Give me a break. Give me a break. Oh, okay. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Give me a wazo. Maybe it's, it's Jimia. It's Gimia. I bet. I, mm, I don't know. Jimia sounds more correct. Gimia from Bug Tussle. Yeah. Give me a give me a wazoo. Is like, oh sister, <laughs> I'm I'm so worried about you, and she's like, don't worry. I'm going back to the other dimension with my other friends. And uh, you don't have to worry about it. And by the way, your creepy porn stash is really creeping me out. Why are you touching my face like that? That is clearly a fake mustache. Gimia is wearing a fake mustache to hide his identity. But we also discover that uh, Tinya and Gimia's father is deceased in this story. And yes. I think, I want to say that before this, we have actually seen her mom, but it may be further on down the line. But it's interesting to see a legionnaire with a deceased parent because so often it's like I mean, Superboy has two dead parents. Like me. Who Super does? Supergirl, Supergirl, and Superboy both have dead parents. Technically, Superboy has four dead. Uh, parents. Karate Kid has dead parents. A dead parent, and that doesn't count. I mean, no, his mom and dad are both dead. But you, you yourself struck that issue from the record not three <laughs> episodes ago and said because that we so would horrible. never speak of it again because it was so horrible. Uh, and then was, who else? Who else? Uh, Bouncing Boy, I think he, does he have family? Bouncing Boy? He has parents, yeah. Okay. And he has a, he has a beloved sled yeah. that he calls Rosebud. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, see. We know that Matter Eater Lad has parents, both parents. Right. We right. know that Ultra Boy has both has, parents. Has some parents, yeah. Uh, we uh, know Wildfire that. Wildfire does have parents. Yeah. Uh, what about, yeah, does Wild, yeah, his, let's see. Um, who's the uh, Night Lass? Only has a father, I believe. Shadow Lass or Night Girl? Oh, I'm sorry, Night Girl. Only yeah. has a father. Yes. I'm trying Polar to think. Boy has a mom and dad. Okay, so it's it's mixed, but I w- I wouldn't say that we finally find out that she's the only one that doesn't have any parents. Um, her parents, she has no father. <laughs> her mom's name is Martha. Martha. <laughs> 
Why did you say that name? <laughs> uh, because it's humor and it's callback and it'll get everybody agitated. Because I'm oh, sure there's somebody, it... I'm sure there's going to be somebody on Twitter who's like, um, Stephen, actually, Tinya and, 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 and Gaima's uh, parents' names are actually Bruce and Sarah or something like that. <laughs> no, because uh, it's, they don't have vowels on Bug Tussle. Oh, the really? way that we understand them, Wait. they have a lot of Ys. Yeah, but her last name has an A. Jimma's uh, uh, name has got an A, and Tinya has an, an I and a Y. Yeah, but it's like Japanese. It's not actually an A. It's a sound. Like when you say, you know, the difference between an O and an O. It's the it's one letter. And it's also just, their last name has, has an O in it. Thing. Yeah, but O is not really a letter. I mean, it's practically a number. Anyway, they go back to their own world. And when they arrive, as soon as they arrive, Sunboy goes supernova. A Sunboy supernova in the sky. And I will say this. On the one hand, the shot of Sunboy stepping out of the ship as this completely black shape surrounded by flames is amazing. And the on the other hand, they literally just drew an outline and painted it in with as much ink as they yeah, and, and put a bunch of uh, sun rays coming off of him. So this yeah. leads to everybody trying to take a whack at Sunboy. His powers are out of control, and Superboy's like, I'll take care of this. Whap, whap, boom, 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 pow. And every time Superboy punches him... Uh, Sunboy's powers get more out of control, at which point yes. the logic part in my brain says, wait a minute, Superboy has this thing called a super cape. We saw it last issue. He used it to save a boy from an exploding spaceship in space, and the boy didn't suffocate or freeze mm -hmm. to death. Mm -hmm. Cannot Superman take his super cape and wrap it around Sunboy and extinguish the flames? No, and I'll tell you why. Why? Carrie Bates. But secondly... Okay, but I mean, Superboy does fly through the sun to clean mm -hmm. his cape on a regular basis. Superboy is powered by red sun energy or yellow yeah. sun energy. Yeah. So Superboy is feeding Sunboy, and the more he gets in there and tries to scrap it up with him, the more powerful Sunboy gets. He's drawing on that energy. So clearly... But I mean, uh, just because... super cape around his head. Yeah, you can't do that. You'd kill him. Well, he's, he's, to... not, he's not an old man on a planet of robots, Stephen. You can't just kill him. <sighs> I mean, you can. Well, you could. But anyway, I would... That, would, that would also prevent uh, one of the other characters in this uh, story, Element Lad, from mm -hmm. actually doing his job, which is turning his costume into asbestos <laughs> so that he can punch, <laughs> that he can punch Sunboy right in the kisser and knock him out. Science! Uh, by the way, we finally learned that in the future, uh, Element Lad dies from lung cancer, a.k.a. <gasps> mesothemia. I don't know. how You see all those commercials all the time. That's asbestos-related lung cancer. So when you see those yes. weird commercials on TV and they say mesothemia. Mesothelioma. That's what I'm saying. When you see those commercials on TV, that's what they're talking about. People who have okay, lung cancer from asbestos. If you see a commercial, they say mesolisothesoposa. <laughs> I want you to seriously sit down and, and, and maybe drink some nice cold water because you're having some sort of seizure. But yeah, I mean, asbestos, I mean, still today, I think you will find some things with an asbestos inner thing, but it's like, hey, uh, this is sealed off. Don't touch it, et cetera. But asbestos, even by the late 70s, we're starting to learn that asbestos is a very, very bad thing. Yes. Well, some people do. I guess. There I mean, are still it was people today who are like, we should go back to asbestos. 
I mean, yes, there are people like that. But again, I think, you know, the bigger cancer related issues, I mean, our building, when when we were in school, our buildings had asbestos in them. When we were in probably grade school and middle school, uh, still had asbestos in them. And then it wasn't until the like late eighties, early nineties that schools and other facilities had to spend a great deal of money to have the asbestos removed from the, from the buildings uh, so that they wouldn't get in lawsuits. Yep. So just want to throw that in there for those of you who are wondering, well, how did Element Lad defeat Sunboy? It's because he uh, turned his costume into asbestos and punched the crap out of Sunboy. <laughs> he also changed the oxygen around Sunboy to nitrogen so that he couldn't actually burn any longer. And then he punched the snot out of it. But yeah, turns Element out, Lad is a clever feller. I guess. Turns out. There was somebody inside Sunboy the entire time. Mm-hmm. Another body was blocking his sun rays because... That's again, how an eclipse works, Car- everybody. Carrie Bates. Um, I think that the best way to describe a Carrie Bates story is you take a fourth grade scientific concept and you explain it badly and you stick in Superboy going, hey, I sure <laughs> am Superboy. Superboy with flip charts, by the way. Flip chart, yes. And did he draw them? That's what I want to know. He I just wanted super to see fast him with his super art skills. I just wanted to see him out there being like Pictionary and Phantom Girl going, Three Toed Sloth, Tandem anyway, Bicycle. Anyway, everyone thinks that the person that's trapped inside Sunboy is the assassin sent to kill Tinya. Right. Turns out, no, that's not the case. The assassin is actually inside Element Lad the entire time. Oh, no. So who, who, who could be inside Sunboy? Give me a what? Give give you a what? Give me a break. I'm I constantly give you a break and get let through all your silly excuses. Give me a wazo. Oh, please. That's disgusting. You know, I think what's best about this issue. What's that? Is that when Gimia comes out. Yes. And when the evil the evil <laughs> comes flying out, he grabs Brainiac's uh, trusty, you know, sidearm. The, the thing that his Brainiac's Mega Blaster, yeah. that thing that Brainiac carries everywhere, no matter where he goes, because right. Brainiac is known for packing heat. Yeah, well, when you're 12th level intellect, you're going to get all the uh, jocks beaten up on you, so you got to pack some heat and protect yourself. Sure, that's exactly what it is. And the, the evil Skizzle Frassum uh, tries to kill somebody with the Mega Blaster, but fortunately, Gimia comes flying out with his porn stash and his 70s flip do. He looks a little like Robert Redford and a little bit like Banshee from the a, X-Men. A little, a little bit. You know, there's a funny thing, and I don't know where I saw this. It's definitely not in these comics, but mm-hmm. there was a thing in the 70s where if you love to have your freaky afro so you could go out and disco all night, they actually mm-hmm. sold wigs that looked like normie wigs that you would wear to your business, uh, dress up business <laughs> meetings. So you would, you know, put down your fro and then you would put this fake cheesy wig on top of that, so that you could essentially, the early version before the mullet uh, took over, it was, you know, business during the day, party at night. You just whip off that wig, and I bet you that uh, Gimia is wearing that. Can you say normie wig again? Normie wig. Okay. You know, the Can wigs you the normies never, wear. ever say normie wig again? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the bad guy is defeated, and because everyone else is in another dimension... There's never, ever going to be another assassin ever coming after her ever again. Another dimension. Because another dimension. how does that work? I mean, can't the people of Bug Tussle just come and go? The Bug Tussleonians? 
Can they well, just come and go at will? Well, this seems to imply that they can't because the Legion has to go and pick Tina up in a cruiser, whereas previously she's been able to just transfer herself back and forth, kind of like it's the Phantom Zone. Yeah. And I feel like in later stories, we actually see it treated more like the Phantom Zone again. So I don't know. This story is unclear. But I will say this. The uh, Starsky and Hutch freeze frame at the end. Yeah, where they're all high Where Sunboy wakes up and he's like, oh, my God, I feel like Element Lad turned me into uh, asbestos and punched me in the head repeatedly. And Element Lad's like, ha, 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 I did. And who's Huggy Bear? The Hero Who Wouldn't Fight, published March 1976, written by Jim Shooter with art by Mike Grell. Why won't Cosmic Boy help his fellow Legionnaires? All right, the final story this week. I'm sorry, but Cosmic Boy's costume is just the worst. And I understand. Listen, I understand what your argument is, Mm -hmm. but it is the worst. It is the worst costume. It is so dumb. Here's the thing about Cosmic Boy's costume. It has always been gloves, boots, and kind of a trunk corset piece um, that comes up. So you have those black pieces. All that Grell has done is eliminate the pink the fabric. Yeah, removes right. the leotard part. Right. And I feel like, for, for one, it looks pretty cool. It looks futuristic. It looks weird and freaky. And it looks like 1976's idea of the you know the sexual revolution of the future. But more importantly... His his close personal friend Imra has been dressed like the Easter trollop for a, the oh, better part no, of three years I, believe now. Believe me, I understand. Turnabout, Turnabout is, fair, is play. fair play. No, I totally understand that. I don't, and I've said before that I think a lot of these costumes are inappropriate. This one just seems ridiculous on the ridiculous scale. This is like uh, a grill went and saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show and was he like, might have. "Huh." That is a very clever costume. I wonder which of my Legion of Superheroes I could put in this. Cosmic Boy. Cosmic Frankenfurter. But uh, Grell has actually gone on the record as saying that, as far as he is concerned, Cosmic Boy is having to hold the corset up with his magnetic powers. What? Which would be fine if it weren't for the very premise of the story in which this costume first appears, right. the hero who wouldn't fight. Yeah, because this is essentially um, a Cosmic Boy Shabbat, right? Where they're one day out of the year, they're not supposed to use their powers. Yeah, he's basically Shomer Shabbos for the magnetics uh, right. for, for one day. Right. So one day out of fine. the year, they're not supposed to use their magnetic powers. So again, to me, that's the thing that I that I thought of. You know, what, what is it? Uh, Friday night, Saturday night? Uh, you're not supposed to use electricity or anything that's powered uh, for the Jewish religion, correct? You're not supposed to do anything that that consists of work. Ah, okay. Uh, and anything that would be, and there are specific definitions of work. Right. Uh, you know, some people actually have houses where they have different appliances. Mm. So you have the normal appliances, and then you have appliances that you can use that don't require you to, for instance, light a flame. Or, or, or metaphorically, a, right, a light of flame, because yeah. at that point, you know, you're doing work. Yeah, electricity. Yeah, sure. Anyway, <laughs> but here's the thing. So Cosmic yes. Boy isn't allowed to use his powers on this one day, but how is he keeping his clothes on then? Well, and that's the thing. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with spirit gum. Or, yeah, the little pasties to keep everything uh, stuck together. Mm-hmm. 
Here's the thing. Definitely scared. He is going on a mission. Robin keeps on his mask. He is going on a mission with the rest of the rest of the gang, and he's not allowed to use his powers. And because he can't use his powers, he's essentially useless. Mm -hmm. But then they go to this secret pirate planet, where they discover that the Emerald Empress is in charge, and she's forming her own gang because Emerald Empress is her own woman. She doesn't need to hang out with a bunch of guys, just a bunch of pirates and thug guys. She's tired of Thayrock Johnson, and she just wants to get out on her own with her Emerald Eye of Ekron. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they land down, of course, you know, they're not landing their ship, Matthew. No. They're using teleporters. They're using... Just like in... Wait for Uh, it. Space 1999. Yes. Wagon train in space. (laughs) <laughs> interestingly the actual transporter shown mm-hmm. looks like the enterprise transporter and you see cosmic boy at scotty's console and then you see the people all standing on the little things with the circles above their heads to throw down the beams of effect it's interesting how overt it is i don't know if at this point it is because we saw a couple of issues ago with the um, Legion of Substitute Heroes getting the old Legion clubhouse, and we open mm-hmm. with the junkyard scene, and it's got the Enterprise just front and center right there where you can't miss it. Well, I think, it, I think at this point, they're just 10 literally... 10 years old at this point. I yeah, mean, they, they've thumbed their nose at something that has been off of the air, that has been canceled. It's in syndication, I'm sure. Well, I'm, I know it's in syndication, but as far as new <laughs> stuff goes, it's canceled. It's a failed yeah. show, yet this Legion of Superheroes has been going strong since 1952. Okay, 58, whichever. Yeah, or 52, depending on, uh, you know, your timeline. They could be on a parallel Earth, counter-Earth theory, everyone. So the team beams down. Yeah, and then uh, Lightning Last beams right back and says, oh my God, we were ambushed. A ambush. Please, you have to help them with your super magnetism. And And he's like, I can't. I can't pay the rent. It's our sacred holiday. You must pay the rent. Okay, so. I I can't pay the rent. I want to go back on something, because at the time of this recording, we have just finished Passover, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, and I saw this on, on Twitter and other places, uh, they were concerned that they would not be able to celebrate the traditional uh, Passover because they weren't right. able to get access to the traditional foods and the right. other foods that are out there because of the stay-at-home order from the COVID-19 panic of uh, pandemic of 2020. And right. so I saw arguments on both sides, and, and I, I can imagine that there are two rabbis sitting out in the park having this argument, uh, one saying, oh, well, if you can't uh, do Passover the correct way, then you shouldn't do it, and that makes you a bad person, and the other right. rabbi saying, hey, look, this is a time of great struggle and change. This is a time when it is okay to break a tradition or a rule that we have put forth. Uh, it would be forgiven that if you were starving— to eat something that is maybe not kosher uh, for Passover. Uh, you know, so I could see that argument also being made here with Cosmic Boy. Yes, it's a tradition where you're not supposed to be using your magnetic powers for one day, but if your tradition is allowing people to die, then uh-huh. maybe that's not a good tradition to uphold, and maybe you should have been using your powers anyway to save your friends, and that would have been forgiven instead of putting shame on your family for generations down the line. 
Yes, no? Do you agree with that or not agree with that? I mean, there's a lot of arguments that could be made. I think that the main thing to remember about Cosmic Boy here is that we don't know what the actual Braillean tradition of No Powers Day is. Right. Um, we don't really know whether it's something that's just traditional or whether it's something that's like a huge societal taboo. There are things that you just can't do. There are things that you don't do. I mean, even today, if you're like, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to eat a horse, people are going to be like, wait, what? What? You, uh, no, you can't do that. But if so you were it, starving, I'm sure people would say, look, you were starving and the horse was the only thing you could eat. Mm -hmm. It is forgiven. We will accept this. I mean, it's weird, but it's still accepted. It, it, it's definitely something that you could make the argument. I think the bigger problem here is, and we've, you know, we've seen this before, if you try and extrapolate... Oh, sure, if you try to make stories, sense of comic books, yes. If you try to extrapolate them to the real world, you end up shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, it's like the Ferengi in Star Trek. The Ferengi have a lot of things about them where you're like, oh... The Ferengi are meant to represent a, a specific oh, particular I'm not, I'm not saying group, that you know? I'm not saying the Brillians are uh, supposed to be representative of the Jewish people. I'm just saying that right. as a comparison to mm -hmm. we have Passover and we have, uh, uh, what is it, Shabbos. Uh, those two things are something that we can kind of relate to this. Mm -hmm. um, to a lesser extent, I mean, you could say Lent, but no eating meat on Friday, but that is one that... Catholics break all the time. Well, you know, some people, I know I have a friend who chooses to give up something different for Lent each year. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with how Lent works. I yeah, mean, but you know what? If, me, you, if, you, if you break it, it's not like the finger right, of God is like going to come down and smite you. Yeah. And it's important to note that Cosmic Boy, you know, while refusing to use his powers in defense of his friends, is willing to slap one of his colleagues fully <laughs> across the face when I mean, she tells he just, him he's being mean. He wasn't using his magnetic powers to do it. No, but look, let's say I go to work tomorrow and somebody gets on my nerves and is like, how, what, no, and we have a moment where somebody raises their voice. I cannot take my hand, ball it up, and whack him upside the head. I think it was, a back, I think it was an open thing. hand back, uh, back slap. Even so, it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, I no, mean, please. Hank I, I am hit, hit Janet Van Dyne with an open face slap. Yeah, no, but believe me, I'm not forgiving this, that yeah. it's horrible that we see Cosmic Boy striking lightning glass and saying, I'm going to go do whatever I'm going to go do. And so he goes down to the planet without lightning glasses help, mind you. And then he proceeds to die. No, he uses cleverness. He uses his flight ring, and he uses his brains, and he uses his super, super ability to go, hey, I sure am the cosmic boy. And then he dies. And, and look really, really good in a corset. I mean... And I'm, then he dies. And then we discover that Colossal Boy is wearing short pants like Angus Young for some reason, and he does not die... He but does. he does get knocked out. No, he dies because he as they, as they've, as uh, the Legion have, have escaped from their crystal prisons, their crystal palace prisons, uh, cosmic boys laying there dead and they're like, Oh no, our Legion member has died. And then I one of them turns dying. to Emerald Empress and is like, can your eye restore him back to life? And she's like, yes, if you let me go, but you have to let me go first. And they're like, ah, dilemma. 
What do we do? Do we let her go and hope that she keeps her promise, or do we force her to keep her promise while Cosmic Boy continues to grow cold on the slab of the floor of this pirate place? She, he's not dead. He's in a death-like coma. Shadowlass says his pulse is almost gone. What can we do? And she uses the emerald eye to restore his health. Yeah, no, but that's, a, that's kind of a really interesting moment because mm-hmm. they do have to make this decision. We'll let you go if you use your eye. And she's like, no, you got to let me go first. And they're like, that's a quandary, right? Because they know that one yep. of the Fatal Five is going to escape. Right. And they don't even know if she's going to be able to keep her promise. And sure enough, right. as soon as they say, you're free to go, bloop, she disappears. Boosh. And they're like, oh, no. And they're like, oh, no, look, there's some crazy green gas going into Cosmic, uh, or sorry, yeah, Cosmic uh, uh, Boy. And he wakes up and he's like, oh, and I did it with all, all my powers. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interestingly, this story is written by Shooter. Mm-hmm. Feels like a bait story. Why is that? Because it has that weird kind of completely arbitrary thing that creates, that, that generates conflict, or in this case, you know, some sort of suspense where there wouldn't necessarily be anything. And it ends with a kind of a nonsensical twist where you're just like, oh, yeah, literal deus ex machina time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I agree with you on that. The, the part, though, that I think is is interesting is the moral quandaries, right? Do mm-hmm. I forego my belief system to save my friends, to use something that can save my friends, or do mm-hmm. I not do it? Am I able to accomplish the task without disgracing my family name or my my belief system of my my peoples in order to do it. I think that is a great moral quandary to have and, and formulates a, a great discussion. The other thing that I like about this is then the Legion members are also put into a situation of, do we let this evil person go or do we trust that they will do and keep their promise? And I think right. that says a lot about, you know, all the characters in the story where they have to face these moral dilemmas. And I think it also says a lot about Emerald Empress. Yeah, it's a weirdly honorable moment for her. I mean, yes, she's arguing for her own freedom and she's, you know, an evil, psychotic, crazy creature from beyond space. But no, this is no, she's she actually from this, her word. She's actually on her home planet. That's the other thing is we find out that this is her home planet. <laughs> she keeps up her end of the bargain. And it's interesting to see that. That's another reason to me why this feels more like a Bates story than a shooter mm. story. Mm. But I do I do appreciate that ending. And I feel like in a lot of ways, this is probably for me the best individual Legion chapter in a while. Yeah, no, I With think with the exception if they took out the page where he jack slaps poor Ayla, <laughs> this would be a pretty perfect story. Cosmic Boy has a belief system that he doesn't want to give up. He's not going to dishonor himself or his people, mm-hmm. even if it means that he has to lose his life to save six friends. Yeah. It's the trolley problem in a lot of ways. Well, you're not actually under the trolley in the trolley problem. It's a modification of the trolley problem. But nonetheless, it's a nice look into Cosmic Boy as a character. Mm-hmm. And it's good to to see him doing this and being all hip and young, because eventually you get to a point where cosmic boy ends up being the, they write him as boring. They write him as the straight arrow captain America guy. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like here he's more of this young 
rule, not necessarily rule breaker, because he's clearly upholding a rule, but this guy who's willing to find different ways around things. He's yeah, not, you know, loopholes. boring and steadfast. Yeah. He's actually clever. Yeah. No, I enjoyed this story out of all of them. This is the one that I enjoyed the most. Yeah. And he and Colossal Point need to put on some pants. Exactly. We have come to the end of another Legion Clubhouse. Matthew, what did we learn this week? We've learned that domestic violence is still not a big enough problem in 1976 for it not to be in the middle of our stories. We also learned that in the future, robots will need an entire planet to drive our economy. And we've learned that if you go into your friend's room while she's naked and drag her out into the world and put her in a suit and make her fight a giant cat, it's okay as long as you can prove she was nuts. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Hope you had a lot of fun. You can always contact us at Major Spoilers or at Mighty King Cobra. We certainly appreciate all of your emails and the comments that you make on this show. If you enjoy this show, again, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Jason Inman's going to repeat all that stuff here in just a minute, but it's worth saying multiple times. So until the next time we have a meeting of the Legion Clubhouse, I am Giffy Boy. And I am Jiffy Boy. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.